I feel that this should not hold women back. I don't think that there should be any day in the menstrual cycle where a woman is afraid of competing and performing to their best. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Yes, that's right. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Tom Salones, from the team at Sports Tech World Series in Vumero. On today's discussion, we have Dr. Georgi Brunvils from Orico talking all about blood biomarkers, which is the ultimate in athlete personalization and testing. So before we get into that, thought I'd just mention our last two episodes that have dropped in the last couple of weeks. We've got Tom Nugent from Platypus Institute talking all about neuroscience and brain plasticity. So training for elite athletes and, and also military operators. And then we've got Michael Cole, the chief technology officer of the Ryder Cup and European Tour, talking about digital transformation in golf. But today's show is all about Dr. Georgie Brunvilles, as I mentioned, from the team at Orico, which has more PhDs than you can poke a needle at, working with some really interesting clients like the US Women's National Team, obviously World Cup winners, uh, NBA Players Association. And we also have a large part of the conversation about the female athlete, something that Georgie is very passionate about and is doing some great work in, including addressing the last taboo in elite performance, which is the female menstrual cycle. As always, if you've got feedback, please email me thomas at sportstechfeed.com. You can also go to sportstechfeed.com for show notes and to check out those other episodes. But here it is, Dr. Georgie Bruinvilles. Welcome to Sports Tech Feed, Dr. Georgie Bruinvilles. We're out here in Orico's offices, just near Twickenham, and Twickenham um, near the, the rugby stadium, obviously. Um, lots of labs around here as well, St. Mary's University, which I know you've got a partnership with. And please just lead off and, and tell me, what does Orico do? Hi, Fessy. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, so I work for Orico. Orico is a sports consultancy business. So effectively, we um, work with primarily and historically elite level athletes, um, athletes of all sports from basketball to soccer, football, um, to individual like sports like track and field, golf, um, and a whole range of other sports to help them um, optimize their performance but um, also reduce risk of illness and injury so we use blood biomarker analysis so we test their blood profiles and we um, obviously we've got like (laughs) years and years of understanding for actually what's normal for an athlete of that sport but also um, we look at we treat the individual as an individual so we um, identify where um, there's been significant variation specifically for them um, and we get to understand uh, and using data analytics we um, can identify where they're showing significant signs of um, risk so be it injury or illness risk um, and yeah we work with teams all, all around the world um, focusing on this um, and then recently, we've also placed a focus on the female athlete. Um, gotcha. And then that's, that's definitely going to be a, a large part of the conversation today. But just going back to that, so obviously sports consultancy, high-performance elite athletes, um, what sets you apart from the tens, if not hundreds, of other um, sp- uh, kind of athlete tracking, athlete measurement um, companies out there? Yeah, so we're all about treating an individual as an individual, uh, finding out what's normal for them and what's not, and using biomarkers to identify so that. So biomarkers, what it, can you unpack so what is a biomarker? Yeah, so I guess it, to be like really basic, it's a biological marker. So looking at um, 
you know, primarily through blood, we use uh, biomarkers. Um, so looking at measures of like iron status, oxidative stress, inflammation, um, but really delving deep into like nutritional factors, markers that indicate potential overtraining. Um, and um, I guess setting us aside from everyone else is our extensive um, knowledge, our like data systems, which enable us to um, scale this understanding and um, also using the years and years of experience that um, Oracle has to define like and help identify what's normal for an individual versus what's yeah uh, like and, and so risk. and how how was that previously or is is done if it, if it's not with with biomarkers with blood testing like how would you previously kind of understand um, how an athlete is uh, performing feeling really all, all of that stuff so what you could use their heart rate like resting heart rate you could use how they're sleeping um gps data um i guess and just identifying when they get ill and injured and actually our systems are able to digest all of this information in addition to the blood biomarker yeah so, data. so it's blood so it's on, like on on top of all that it's exactly. not just saying we're gonna do blood tests and is it yeah. how often are you testing for for blood is it you know, they come off at half time and just get jabbed or uh, what are we no. talking about so primarily you'd want to test them before exercise and before eating on any one day um so we have like different levels of blood testing so we do like a full blood test um not so frequently because obviously it's a very invasive we wouldn't want to be taking significant amounts of blood out from an athlete when they need blood for oxygen transport for example just, just living yeah yeah. yeah 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 exactly um but we also have point of care testing which we can do on a much more regular basis so whether it's um on a weekly or bi-weekly basis um just be- like the day before a game just after the game to help inform recovery strategies um to also identify risk full stop really um i mean some of our teams will like use the testing very reactively so if they think an athlete isn't looking well or comes in reporting fatigue then they can use some point some of our point of care tests to so say what's what's the difference between so uh, just in in layman's terms so yeah. the full blood test is what you go in if you yes. and you know the nurse finds a vein and jabs Bang. you yeah um and that's the full blood test what's yeah. a point of care test so a point of care test is using a capillary blood sample so that's like a small blood sample tiny little blood sample which is either taken from the fingertip or from the ear um, typically in the US it would be from the finger and in certain other countries it might be from the ear and there's just a good supply of blood to the ear. Um, and particularly did, There you go, did not know that. The ears there. Oh, it's amazing. In, yeah. in the lab, in a kind of controlled environment, if you've got blood coming out of your finger and you're running, it fl- the blood can really like pour out and flick, flick around, whereas from the ear it's much more of a kind of controlled um point <laughs> extraction yeah 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 there you go so and and who are the who are the, some of the clients you're working with at the moment yeah so um i guess just a few examples so in the u.s in the nba we've got ffe teams um including the dallas mabs um the atlanta hawks um and then and yeah a few other teams out there and some individual athletes then in the uk um we work with some premier league football teams so uh, newcastle united tottenham hotspurs um then we've got the oregon track club so that is the oregon track club down in eugene not the oregon project which is further north um 
And then, yeah, some in individual golfers, Graham McDowell, Podrick Harrington, um, then loads of other kind of individuals, um, different sports that I guess all of that has helped us to formulate our database of a real range of athletes, which helps us to best understand what's normal for each athlete from each sport which is absolutely fascinating and, and so when you do just sticking with the blood test and the biomarkers mm-hmm. for instance and obviously there's all that other data that comes in and, and you can compare and, and contrast against um the blood test is it going off their um can you go off their results of, of previous blood tests yeah so in the sense of not ones that you've taken but just ones they have either on file for uh, drug testing or, or other medical things or is it once they're kind of in your system, yeah. like what you're looking for, yeah. is that something that is yeah. just on file, if you know what well, I mean? Well, I think it's important to think that it depends on the lab because different labs, so when I talk about lab, it could be a hospital lab, um, laboratory, different labs have different ranges and different assays. So, for example, in the female hormone space, um, the measurement of estradiol, which is like the one of the primary female ovarian hormones, um, the assay for that is very specific, very sensitive. So one measurement in one lab r- might vary distinctly from another measurement in another lab. So it can uh, make what's a, What's an assay, sorry? Um, so an assay is like the um, way, uh, I guess like the toolkit you would use to measure it. So it's like gotcha. the kind of testing yeah, process would be, it would be assayed as a type of measurement. Yep. Okay, so it so it it varies, and then varies, once yeah. once they are in your system, so to speak, yeah. or, or or testing with you, either as an individual or as a team, yeah, um, is it is it then something that the longer it goes on, the better it gets because you kind of see their bloods in different scenarios. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and um, so Dr. John Newell, who's our like head of data analysis or data analytics, who's based out of the National University in Galway. Um, so we've got another Orico hub over in Galway. Um, and he, you know, he spent years developing um, these statistical models to help use like effectively the Bayesian modeling to work out actually what is normal for each individual. And the more tests you undertake, the more sensitive it gets. And actually my other colleague, Dr. Nathan Lewis, who um, is a pure scientist, his PhD was literally focused on um, defining confidence intervals around um, certain point of care tests to work out really like robust ways to say, okay, actually, we've seen this marker go up. This is abnormal for this athlete. He is at risk. And the number of times we've seen illnesses or injuries occurring off the back of like that's a flag. Be careful here. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And, and so you just, uh, I mean, you just dropped a few doctors in there. How <laughs> many how many doctors do you have in 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 Orico? Uh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I haven't counted. Um, so Dr. Brian Moore is our CEO. Um, so his roots are very much in blood biomarkers. So he was seeing trends in athletes' data through doing his PhD, um, and then that kind of incentivized him to. Um, team up with Dr. Andy Hodgson, um, he's a hematologist out in Ireland to form Orico. Um, so obviously they're both doctors then. Dr. Charlie Pedler, who's our head of science, he's obviously another doctor. Um, then we've got like a medical doctor, we've got um, a few other doctors in different areas um, from machine learning to 
actual science. And then we've got quite a few um, up and coming scientists as well who are currently undertaking their PhD. So if you need a sick note, there's plenty of people that you can, <laughs> yeah. you can go to. Well, there's plenty of people to say you're actually no, not yeah, sick. No, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I've checked the bloods and you're fine. You're <laughs> yeah. being here Monday morning. No so, excuses. Yeah, can't get away with a dodgy hangover for, Absolutely um, for that. Absolutely not. So Although we all love what we do, so I don't think we'd want... Well, yeah, no one's, want. no one's yeah, no one's um, pulling a sickie, as no. we say in Australia, chucking a sickie. So, well, there you go. You love what you do, as you said. And, yeah. and how did you become involved in, um, in Oracle and, and also just more broadly in, in this space? Yeah, um, really interesting. So, um, well, I think it's interesting anyway. Um, I did my undergraduate in physiological science um, at Bristol University. Um, and then I went and worked for UK Anti-Doping for a few years. Um, I just like love performance sport. And I, to be completely honest, saw the job when I literally just graduated and I was like, either I'm going to go and run in Kenya for six months, um, try my luck at that, or I'm just going to so, go. So just that's, you've just subtly dropped that into the conversation. Can you can you just um, kind of expand that? What um, you were? Yeah, I guess. Because I mean, I, I could go run in Kenya for six months, <laughs> but um, I mean, no one would be inviting me there. I don't, you know. I you guess I guess I love running and I kind of have, uh, you know, that's a big part of my life. And I, I feel very motivated to try and improve my own training alongside so you were what i was what i was trying to get you out without having to out you with your your, your modesty which i don't think is false but um, <laughs> but, but you're quite a good um accomplished runner in your own right in terms of running at a, at a competitive level yeah I, yeah relatively yes <laughs> i've still got a long way to go but um yeah I love running. <laughs> so yeah, so coming from the athlete background as well as you said, and then and then from the the scientific background, and then went into UK anti doping. Exactly. Um, and then from from there, where did the, uh, yeah. the journey take you? So I guess it really gave me an insight into performance sports and um, like understanding a bit of the science. But I was always like begging the science team to get me to do more like profiles of different like um, biomarkers and different. Um, I guess, potential tests that might be um, incorporated into like testing panels in the future. And uh, I guess it was just fairly obvious that that was kind of the area that I really, really gravitated towards. I was really lucky that I got to go and work at the Olympics um, in London. And I guess after that, as much as I loved it, I kind of <laughs> was getting frustrated. I wanted to learn more. So I think I needed a break after my undergrad, but you know, I was totally ready to go back and start doing a PhD. Um, so then um, I guess I kind of tried to work out which area I was really interested in. Um, then I have always been interested in iron status, um, personal interest, but also I just think it's really interesting. Iron is a limiting factor for um, hemoglobin and, you know, that affects your ability to adapt to altitude and it's really important from a performance perspective. Also being a female, um, my risk of iron um, or iron deficiency is greater and I, I kind of thought that was really interesting and... Um, I was actually being tested just from a, I had like a VO2 max test and um, there was a study going on at St. Mary's and I got um, involved in the study and I had my iron status tested as part of it. And actually the study was being c uh, conducted by Dr. Charlie Pedler and Dr. Richard Burden, who um, then became part of my supervisory team because I then spoke to them and they said, oh, actually, yes, let's start another PhD going. So 
and then started my PhD actually out of UCL. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there. And um, doing my PhD, Charlie just said to me one day, oh, do you want to pick up some work with Orico along the side? And I was like, yes, this is amazing. And um, yeah, then I finished that and now I'm full-time Orico. And so what was the... so the the main area you said was around iron deficiencies or studying that and then... Yeah, so it was like heavy menstrual bleeding yep. and iron deficiency because... Um, obviously menstrual cycle blood loss key risk for iron deficiency but then add in heavy heavy bleeding and that increases risk that much further and I guess that really sparked my interest in this area um primarily because I was just coming across women left right and center who were struggling and not understanding why they were experiencing such bad pain not just heavy bleeders women across the board um and I just kind of detected or picked up on this massive like appetite for learning which isn't out there mm. um hasn't previously been out there anyway yeah, and that's something uh, kind of in some research um for this my, myself i was i was looking at and seeing um period menstrual cycle referred to as the last taboo in sports mm. in terms of how it's discussed and then also how it's researched mm. um because if it's not something people are actively looking into then mm. then obviously um the research isn't there as well. So it's really interesting that you, you mentioned that. And, and I mean, the, the growth of women's sports that we've seen uh, over the last few years in terms of at a professional level in kind of all areas has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess reflected in that is the scientific community or at least the elite performance community looking more into women as, as individuals in, in how they can, can enhance themselves. So with all that said, um, how does the menstrual cycle affect athletic performance? <laughs> that is a great question. Or, um, or does it? Is the other is the other one? Because yeah. Um, yeah, I have limited to no knowledge in this area. So yeah, okay. So firstly, if we just step back um, and think about the menstrual cycle, so what is it? People often just say to me, "Oh, I come on," or "I," you know, when I'm on my period, and in their eyes, that is their menstrual cycle but that is not the case. So throughout a typical 28-day process or 28-day cycle, um, hormones fluctuate constantly. So the two major hormones, estradiol and progesterone, um, fluctuate in a cyclical manner throughout the whole menstrual cycle. So at the start of the cycle, when there's blood loss, they're very low. Then estrogen increases in isolation of progesterone to a point just around the mid-cycle that then declines steeply and then progesterone and estrogen increase in conjunction um, in the second half of the cycle and then decline. And then we go start the whole thing again. So if we think about it, these hormones travel in the circulation. So they travel in the blood. And so they can affect all parts of the body. So we know that there's receptors. So um, a little kind of... Uh, like gates, <laughs> gates is a weird, a weird analogy, but gates that detect these hormones in the brain, for example. So if these hormones enter these gates, then they um, affect like neurological cognition, like they affect different aspects, which uh, related to the brain. So that can affect your mood, it can affect the way you think. They also, we also know that there are these gates in um different like soft tissue so different types of soft tissue from muscles to tendons to ligaments so they can affect the way you move they can affect the way your heart beats your body temperature so because these circulate in your body 
um, the changes can have really significant impacts. So people talk about the menstrual cycle being the bleed, but actually it's like the whole cycle. And Because the hormones are kind of all over the place, exactly. up and down, and that affects different things in different ways. Exactly. So, yeah. so to your point of does the menstrual cycle affect performance? Well, first thing we need to think about is actually like across the board, there are changes. Undeniably, there are changes. Some people have greater fluctuations than others. Some people are more sensitive to the fluctuations than others. So in our research, we've, I would, well, we've definitely found that at least half of women say that their menstrual cycle affects their performance to some extent. I feel that there is definitely an aspect of, is it when I'm bleeding that it affects my performance, yes or no? But actually it could be that different aspects change related to performance, which they might not be aware of. However, with that in mind, I really believe, and I have no evidence to counter this, that um, oh, there's very limited evidence out there, which I feel, as as with everything, more research is needed in this area. But I feel that this this should not hold women back. I don't think that, there should be any day in the menstrual cycle where a woman is afraid of competing and performing to their best on. Um, I think it's all about getting to that point. So um, if if a woman isn't on top of their symptoms, if they're not on top of their warm-up, their warm-down, their nutrition, their training, their activation, etc., then uh, like there should be no disillusions. The menstrual cycle can affect performance but if we're on it we're like tracking symptoms we're looking at diet looking at lifestyle looking at sleep then that can all be in check unless there is an underlying mental dysfunction going on and if that is the case then medical input is required yeah and so as we talked about in the beginning um, testing biomarkers and really giving a truth to how someone is performing or how their body is performing mm-hmm. um, and when they're at peak performance. And I guess, so the point of understanding the menstrual cycle is if an athlete's feeling a bit off, mm-hmm. it's not that they're just feeling off or they're putting it something else. I didn't get a good night's sleep last night, whatever. I don't feel hungry, something like that. Well, it could be the hormones are lifting wherever they yeah. are or dropping in the menstrual cycle. So yeah. uh, with all that, how can technology help? Yeah, and so technology is a massive part to this because, um, as you said, yeah, some days, you know, you wake up and you just think, what is wrong with me today? Why don't I have as much energy? Why do I feel like a bit dizzy or confused or I'm just not thinking as clearly? Um, Now, that is normal. And while that is normal, I also think there are things that can be done to better understand that. But we will never understand that if we don't monitor it ourselves. And I think a large part of our my like mission and our female athlete program is to get women to understand the importance of like uh, owning their own body like understanding not only their anything related to their performance but also their general health um and i feel that like tracking your cycle tracking your symptoms getting that understanding for what is going on in my body and yes that may differ to the person next to me but what about me this individualized approach is so important and then once you understand that and understand why so the app fitter women that we've developed enables you to track your cycle track your symptoms but it also provides an education of this is what is going on in your body this is why you are feeling as you do and hey 
this is what you can do about it here you know you can capitalize on it or if you've got bad symptoms this is how you can handle them and so I think without technology you don't have that insight and yes you can use a pen and paper and you can get a diary and log all of the symptoms but and that's great you know if you don't have access to technology but I I think times are changing now and we can increasing increasingly be really smart with this so that we can understand what is our normal and actually if we're deviating from that how can we manage that how can we reduce the any negatives and then what about next cycle let's be prepared so we don't have such bad symptoms because we know what to do about it and feeding that into a training regime as well so you know when when you should be doing um you know as peak performance so to speak and when you should be pulling back so um and you've mentioned the fiddle fiddle woman is the is the app so Mm -hmm. available um for you know casual athlete all the way up to the elite um sticking with the elite and 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 some of the broader work of um orico so we've talked about biomarkers we've talked about um obviously integrating that with gps tracking all this other data uh are there some examples you can share or or um, use cases around um working with female athletes as you said as individuals around the menstrual cycle around their their peak performance at at an elite level yeah, so um, I guess probably the best and most recent example is working with the US Women's National Team in the build up to the World Cup um, with their head of performance, Dawn Scott. Um, so I think like my main aim whenever I'm working with a female team or an individual is to like as you said understand what's going on with them like yes okay we know that hormones fluctuate but particularly for athletes like that hormonal pattern could be a bit different so actually let's get a handle on their individual needs their individual symptoms um and a big part of how we've i guess generally we managed to handle this is our coach platform which links up to the fitter women app so you can see where an athlete is in their menstrual cycle on any one day um and you can see symptoms that have been logged and you can understand where they might be at risk. So we know, for example, that um, injury risk is increased or certain types of injury risk um, is increased around the like first half of the menstrual cycle. So, so why is that? Mid cycle. Um, so injuries such as like tenderness ligament injuries um which are caused by alterations in biomechanics so such as an anterior cruciate ligament injury potentially a career ending injury um now estrogen estradiol as i said travels in the blood and we know that there's these gates for estradiol um in tendon muscle ligaments and when estradiol levels are higher just before mid-cycle so just before ovulation um there's like increased activation to these gates so increased um kind of yeah like gate stimulation and that can alter biomechanics they mean that the laxity of the ligaments is increased so there's effectively less control um, so so the because of the high est- estrogen levels yeah uh basically the ligaments and tendons relax or, or kind yeah, of stretch yeah and relax stretchy and, exactly and yeah. relaxing levels have been so like uh there's a hormone called relaxin which can affect it's actually called relaxin it's called relaxin <laughs> relaxin levels have been shown to increase at this time and also there's some other research um demonstrating changes in neuromuscular firing patterns so like the activation pathways um 
which again can affect risk of certain injury types. So with all of that in mind, um, through the World Cup, we very much created like individualized programs for each athlete. So be it, we mainly focused on sleep, nutrition um, as like primary kind of interventions or primary um, focuses because obviously World Cup scenario, like huge amounts of stress. Um, I also, while I could spend all day on this, you know, I had another job to be doing, but also Dawn had millions of other jobs to be doing as well. So um, we really had like a (laughs) very regular communication around quick tips like what should this athlete be doing on this day like we planned ahead for every single match we knew who was in which phase what to be done for that individual athlete the day before two days before like how they recover best based on their hormonal profile and now we're actually doing that on a like on a larger scale with different teams as well which is like it's well I feel it's game changing um in personalization for an individual and not just accepting someone said to me the other day and it's really stuck with me um oh I I just get really bad symptoms and I think that's just me I've just got to accept it and get on with it and I was sitting there thinking like she's down she has no energy she's fatigued she has a huge number of symptoms and she's expecting she's flogging her body expecting herself to perform and train every single day and it's almost her being hard on herself saying that I feel you know uh, it's just me I've just got to get on with it it's the card I've been dealt and I was like no like we can't go on like this like we need to actually do some blood tests understand what's going on in your body look at what your diet's like look at your sleep look at your training and get on top of this not just like accept that oh, well, I'll just have to get on with this forevermore. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's and I think that's a fantastic role of technology and be able to, to assist with that. Exactly. Like, facilitate that. That yep. you can, rather than just saying, oh, well, suck it up. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. It's going to go on like this. You can go, you can have a, a tech intervention, basically, f- yep. for that. So, cool. So, obviously, f- I mean, fantastic success with um, the the US Women's National Team. Um where do you see it going kind of at the next phase of this? Like yeah. obviously this is a both in terms of biomarkers and the focus on the female athlete is a um, fairly recent development. Mm-hmm. Where is like the next, the kind of the next step? I think individualizing, personalizing this on a much larger scale is like the obvious next step. Um, I would also say like as you said at the beginning – the menstrual cycle has this taboo thing around it. And while I feel like times are really, really changing, I still feel like there is not enough disgust. Um, There isn't enough awareness. And I think there's a lot of male coaches out there who I really feel for because they don't have the understanding. Um, It's not part of the national curriculum, certainly not in the UK for athletes to be educated on this. We did a large, large study with Strava um, earlier this year and surveyed over 14,000 women over seven different countries. And we found that education in this area is really, really few and far between and times aren't changing. So 18 year olds now are no different to 40 year olds in terms of level of education so i think and it's interesting on the coaching point because yeah. i mean that's that's what the growth of women's sports is it's um you know it's no longer a women coaching women it's wi- women's you know uh, a women's side yeah. area it is women's sports yeah. is elite sports and yeah. there you have 
you know, coaches of, of all the different teams and all the different groups are from you know, yeah. all genders. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. And I'm like, yeah, totally no, 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 no. I'm that. saying, I'm saying that's great, but, yeah. but you need, I, I'm just thinking like, um, there needs classic, to be education. You, yeah, your classic profile of a, of a coach today, maybe he's um, a male, male, probably going to be male, probably in his 40s or 50s. Maybe yeah. he has a teenage daughter. He has some sort of understanding. But apart from that, no idea. And then yeah. you have a, a young woman coming up through, say, like an academy level, whatever else that yeah. is. Um, they couldn't even talk to their own kids about no. it, let alone trying to have a discourse with an athlete and going, how is this affecting it? And and without coming off as um as ignorant or as kind of rude, I guess. Exactly. And it's such a difficult area. And I really, I think it's, yeah, it's such a challenge for coaches now. And I think, um, I don't know if you follow like the track running world, but there's recently been a massive um, issue around Alberto Salazar at the Oregon Project. And um, Mary Kane very bravely, that athlete very bravely spoke out about how um, she undergo underwent a period of fat shaming and being told that she was carrying too much weight and and that, yeah. that's a whole other so, yeah, conversation yeah. and I think for a male coach particularly with youth athletes it's so so difficult so a large part of our mission at Orico is to drive education in this area and yes Fit to Women is a, a free app that anyone can download so even a man can download it to help with their understanding but we've also developed our coach platform which is specifically talks to the fitter women app doesn't like it facilitates conversation and we're working on education videos educational resources but i still know that that that's not just going to solve it easily i'm like so proud of the u.s women's national team and dawn for talking out about this because i think that has been game-changing in getting people to start talking about it and realize like you know i can't explain enough when people say oh marginal gains you know track your menstrual cycle that's marginal gains Mm, for some people yes like definitely marginal gains just like looking at their diet tweaking their diet tweaking their warm-up tweaking their training but for some people like they literally cannot play for some days of their menstrual cycle because they're in so much pain and you know if one of the footballers doesn't a male footballer doesn't start a game say i don't know when it, like harry kane if he couldn't play one day everyone would be saying what's wrong with him why is he not starting or or if he did play but he was well below standard yeah you know, exactly mystery, mystery illness yeah exactly and think about it in women's sport like this is a whole massive contributing factor which has previously been kind of brushed under the carpet and i which, think which ironically makes it worse because it's saying it's, it's kind of exactly. women's sport well it's it's an issue um, we'll brush it on the car, but we won't try and do anything about yeah. it. And then that opens it up again to, well, what's the difference between men's and women's sport at an elite level? And you say, well, there shouldn't be a difference. No, exactly. And I think it is a, it's a really tough area, but I just really believe that the more we can get people talking about it and normalizing the area. I mean, yes, there is like blood loss as part of it. But actually, as I was saying earlier, it's a whole cycle. It's a whole process. It's a 28 day to, well, 21 to 35 day process um, that is a sign of health, actually. For women, they have a unique ability to demonstrate that their body's in relatively good health because if you can menstruate, then it suggests that your body, you could have a child and the body's so clever, it shuts down if it isn't happy and isn't in a good state so it actually indicates that you're 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 okay you're managing things okay um so i just think the more we can effectively embrace this area the better 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> slowly, yeah. slowly, one day. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, initiatives like the Fit a Woman app, um, obviously using biomarkers, all that kind of stuff. So um, exciting to see the role that the technology's playing. In that. Yeah, definitely. And it can be done without technology for sure. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, thanks for your time. Uh, one thing we, we ask, I guess, as well is for your favorite team or your favorite athlete, who, who are you supporting? Who are you out there cheering for? Oh, wow. Um, okay. So any sport? Any sport, any league, any level. Oh, wow. It can be your, okay, your so local under 15s cricket team or, you know, flag okay. football. So I think I feel that I need to have a male and female team and a male and female athlete just for diversity. Um, so right now, male team, I'm, I'm a big fan of Newcastle United because they're one of our teams, they've been our one of our teams for years and years and years um and they're like one of the key clients i work with and literally every weekend i'm like all about the football tracking it um so that's very exciting um women's teams right now obviously i changed my allegiance to being american over the summer for the world cup of course yeah. um times are changing though so i i'd say like if we're sticking with football um chelsea women right now are just dominating they've yep. got such a positive focus sam kerr as well and aussie Sa- absolute know, superstars so just sign with them yeah and em- emma hayes is doing such a good job of like treating the individual athletes as individuals and women and i just i love the mentality there they've got a can-do attitude anything is possible we're gonna do it small team as well which is like really really cool um individual athletes it's a great question um Okay, male athlete, Andy Murray, hands down, always. Um, I think he's just such an inspiration, trains hard. um, Also is like really, not that I'm all about women's rights, but he really believes in treating female athletes Mm. the same as male athletes and i think there was the um the famous press conference where he uh yeah a a reporter said you've won the most was it was it the most grand slams and uh, of any athlete and he said no most men's grand slams yeah yeah exactly because of serena um and his mom judy is like she's been great like she's been so supportive of what we're doing and she's just such a hero and um is is it his sweary girlfriend or wife or is that I'm thinking of another athlete? Is he what? Sorry, he's he's got a like a partner that um she's just like loves to swear at the other. She, you can see her, everyone else is refined kind of in the, in the things, and she's um hurling abuse. Mm. I may be thinking of another athlete, but yeah. I thought it was Andy Kim, Murray. Kim seems like a really nice. Oh no, really nice. Just getting a bit of white line fever. Yeah, so. maybe I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that, but I'll, may, I'll, maybe I'll f- maybe I'll fact check that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to edit it out. She's if I'm also sorry. now sorry, got three Andy. children. Yeah, sorry, Annie Murray's partner. If um, it was it was meant as a compliment. So <laughs> I'll fact check that. Um. Okay, and then female athlete hero. Um. Oh, there's just so many out there. Um. I mean. Uh, obviously I'm a big fan of runners so I could go down the runner route um I think like some of the American runners are so inspiring Molly Huddle um yeah like Mary Kane for speaking out recently about her problems now she's like overcome that getting back into sport but to be honest like just to be very cliched like just generally like the people who I'm around around I work with I feel like they are the game changers they are the people who are driving changes like Dawn she's like driving changes in 
women's football left right and center and i think that's like absolutely amazing she's making the unmentionable totally mentionable um and then doing something uh to improve it yeah exactly and it's not just acknowledging like you know people say oh my period meant that i didn't perform to my best today and that that's what becomes a news headline that should not be a news headline we shouldn't be at the point where that is a headline we shouldn't be letting them get that far so i feel people who are acting on the ground to stop that or to reduce that are the the people that inspire me every day really fantastic all right well thanks for your time today uh georgie dr Dr. brunville um yeah we'll uh we'll put a few links in the show notes to um some of the people you mentioned and and also the fitter women app so perfect thank you very much so there you have it a very enlightening discussion with dr georgie bruinvilles from orico I've included in the show notes uh, what we talked about at the end there, Andy Murray's press conference, and I did fact check that. It is Kimmy's partner who got a little bit sweary at the Australian Open back in the day, but Kim, if you're listening, definitely meant as a compliment. Uh, I love your passion, so uh, so no offence there. And uh, we'll also include also included some info about Mary Kane, the athlete from up in Oregon, and Dawn Scott, who obviously was working with the US Women's National Team, which is a fantastic story of success for for what Georgie's kind of trying to achieve in, in terms of um, just enabling female athletes to be the best that they can and, and using tech to to really implement that. So thanks again for listening. If you've got any thoughts, feedback, you know, comments, whatever, love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact me at thomas at sportstechfeed.com, also where the show notes will be, sportstechfeed.com. So if you want to come back and check anything, check out some other episodes. Uh, Of course, like and subscribe on your favorite platform. And we'll see you next week for Debbie and Ross from Shot Tracker talking all about the connected basketball analytics and how that's uh, revolutionizing how the game is played at a college and hopefully at an elite level. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 